Kate and I are super psyched for you to listen to this episode, how to stop attracting emotionally unavailable men. Super hot topic. And we interviewed Bernadette Jackson. Bernadette Jackson is a woman of faith, a mom, a fatherless daughter, and a transparent truth teller. She teaches fatherless daughters how to discover their father's story, understand their fear-based responses, and identify their transparent truths. She does this through her group coaching program, Her Way. This program is near and dear to Bernadette's heart as she openly shares about how her own fear of abandonment cycle kept her in undesirable relationships, but more importantly, what she did to start experiencing the types of meaningful relationships she truly desired. You can tune in to her weekly podcast, the Bernadette Jackson podcast, where she is redefining how the world views women with daddy issues by telling stories and sharing information from the perspective of a fatherless daughter. Bernadette's mission is to make sure every fatherless daughter knows that she deserves an amazing relationship and all amazing relationships. And her free gift is a how to break free from your fear of abandonment cycle. And I can't say enough. This episode was so epic. You are going to want to take so many notes. Bernadette is such a powerful speaker. She broke things down so simply. And Kate and I talked to her for well over an hour. So that's how you know it was good. Kate, anything you want to say about this episode before they hear it? Yeah, just such a gem. Like, um, there's not, I mean, I've been in this industry a long freaking time and I've never seen anyone teaching about the father wound. I hear a lot of coaches that are helping women heal their relationship with their mom, mother wound. Um, but I have so many clients who have either lost their dad, never had a dad, super emotionally unavailable dad. And this is one of the, one of the core reasons women have such a struggle when it comes to love because of this wound to do with dad. So definitely listen, share it with all your friends. Like this is such an important episode. It's such an important topic and yeah, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. We had so much fun and yeah, there's just a lot of gold in this episode. And no matter where you are on your journey, or even if you have never even heard about the father wounds, like we all have to get clear that our childhood impacts our love life. It's time, my friends, for all of us to get behind that. And even if you think the loss of your father or an emotionally unavailable father, abusive father, or, you know, just not having one hasn't affected you, I invite you to reconsider. And even if you had a great dad, this might still be showing up in your life. Every woman can relate to the fear of abandonment cycle. And Bernadette was so unique, such a powerful speaker. And I'm thrilled that we get to share this episode with you. So enjoy. And all of the links to get in touch with Bernadette are below this episode in the show notes. Let us know what you think. Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after (laughs) forever and ever. No. No. (laughs) No. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. 
and learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Bernadette, thank you for being with us on the New Truth Podcast today. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) How to stop attracting unavailable men, quite possibly the most Googled relationship question. I think on every interview I've ever been on as a dating and relationship coach, this question is asked. And maybe you've heard the quote unquote answer to this question in a lot of different ways. And Google's told you one thing, but Kate and I promise that you have not heard a message like what Bernadette is dropping on this episode. And we really are going to unpack this and really show you how to stop this pattern. So let's dive right in with your story, Bernadette, and how you came into this work. And then we'll tackle the way out of attracting unavailable men. Awesome. So um, for me, I I didn't grow up knowing my father. Um, It was really just my mom and I for most of my life. I didn't even know what my dad looked like, actually. And uh, I would like to play this game with myself where I would imagine what he looked like. And so I always used to think of him as uh, Dr. Huxtable on The Cosby Show or um, Uncle Phil on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Or sometimes I would look in magazines and I'd see someone who looked a little like me and I I would think, huh, I wonder if this could be my dad. And I would always um, sit down and we would have these conversations in my head. I would imagine like what his house looked like and uh, what he was like, what he smelled like and all these things. And I just like would imagine that our conversations and our relationship was just this magical thing. And really it wasn't because I didn't know him. I barely spoke to him. I would not have recognized him if he were walking down the street right past me. And so when I met him, when I was a freshman in college, and our first encounter didn't line up to the imaginings in my mind all those years, it was really disappointing for me. And it also sent me into a tailspin that Mm. kind of kept me stuck in really meaningless relationships with unavailable men for 15 years. And Mm. it was just a cycle of failed relationship after failed relationship. And I knew I was in that cycle. I could recognize that I needed to change, but I just wasn't ready. And I think that I felt that it was easier for me to do what was familiar, which was just to continue to be in these really mediocre relationships than to to do the hard work of understanding how the pain of him not choosing me was Mm -hmm. affecting how I was showing up in relationships. And it wasn't until I really started to do that work. And it didn't come until I had a coming to Jesus moment. You know, Um, I was sick and tired of all these failed relationships and, and God kind of gathered me up and said, listen, you're the common denominator here. And if you don't change what you've been doing, you're not going to see the difference in the relationships that you've been yearning for. So can you, know, can you describe I, the types of relationships, like what in yeah. the toxic cycle, just so the women listening can identify with them, what kinds yeah, of guys you attracted? 
I was always attracting men who were emotionally unavailable. Um, mm. And they also, they didn't want the same things I wanted. I was kind of settling in whatever type of relationship or situationship or entanglement that they wanted to get into. Um, and for me, it was just a matter of, um, okay, well, he likes me a little bit. And because I had not really had that relationship with my dad, any man who showed me any kind of attention at all was someone that I considered being in a relationship with. And a lot of times I would romanticize these relationships to be much more than they were. You know, they weren't serving me at all. They absolutely were not where I needed to be. A lot of them were expired a long time ago and I would still sit in it and, you know, try to fix it and try to make it more than it was. So a lot of it really came from just not having the relationship with my dad and he had always been emotionally unavailable. And so because that's what I was used to and that's what men seemed to be, then when I was looking for relationships with people or when people came to me with the same traits, I looked at that as being normal. Like that just was mm-hmm. what it was. Right. And so when you say men seem to be, does that mean like in your life, not just romantic relationships, where you just were surrounded by men like that? Yeah, that I really was. I, I didn't have a male mentor. And, mm-hmm. and even, you know, what's so funny is that my mom had remarried and even the man that she remarried was emotionally unavailable. And so uh, it was like I never really got to, to have a relationship with a man who really spoke into me and who, you know, covered me and, you know, who offered that emotional stability and really showed me what a relationship with a man should be like. So it was a lot of me experiencing Uh, these relationships or lack thereof personally, but also um, at the same time, looking at TV and movies as what it should have been. So, you know, there was also that aspect of what as well, you know, I I didn't find what I was looking for my personal relationships. So then I started to look at TV and say, well, maybe it's supposed to be what it looks like in the movies, you know, and uh, it wasn't until Mm -hmm like maybe around seven years ago that I kind of came to the understanding that obviously TV is written for entertainment and it's always written to be a lot grander than it would have been in real life. So me expecting the types of emotions or situations to happen in real life that happened on TV for entertainment purposes was completely unrealistic and it wasn't fair to some of the great partners that I was in relationship with because all of my relationships weren't with people who were unavailable. Some of them were with great partners and I didn't know how to handle that. Mm. I didn't know what to do there. I didn't know how to act. I didn't think that I was worthy of it. So a lot of it really was just like, you know, well, I'm gonna sabotage this because any minute now he's gonna decide that I'm not worthy and um, this is not worth it anymore. So I better just sabotage this now and get out of it because at least I will be in control of how the relationship ends and it won't just be ripped from underneath me because he's found me out, you know? So mm. it was a lot of that too. I bet so many women relating to this so much right now. Yeah. And, the, and what a, what a, what a, what a contrast and like the discord internally that that would cause for, I mean, when you tell the story about holding onto the fantasy idea of your dad as a kid, it feels almost like that was such a, 
a nice protective mechanism because it was like got to keep you feeling good about the relationship in, yeah. in internally. And then, but then to have that contrast with him and then with all these men after what discord that would cause within the contrast of this fantasy world that's perfect and like, oh, once you find the one, then everything's perfect. You live happily ever after. And this like, it's supposed to be, you know, sparks and crazy, you know, passion and all that forever. And, and, and seeing that on being represented and then experiencing the complete opposite in this. And even when you experience a good relationship, not being able to receive it. And then it's just like such discord. Wait, okay. That's what I'm supposed to have, but I can't have it. So there must be something, you know, how we deeply internalize it because of that, that extreme contrast. Yeah. Um, you're right. And that's really what it was a lot of the times for me. Um, I definitely think that the way I had romanticized my relationship with my father was how I dealt with feeling that he didn't choose me because he lived close enough to be able to drive down and have a relationship with me. And he just chose not to. And Mm. so that really kind of just made it, um, so that I internalized that it was me that caused that, that, you know, there was something about me that I wasn't pretty enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I wasn't engaging, whatever it was. And so all of those narratives is really what I carried with me in every relationship. And it was also like the lens through which I made all of my decisions, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, missing opportunities or just not really stepping into who I really wanted to be because I was internalizing that my father not being around was somehow my fault. And so if this man who was biologically connected to me and should love me doesn't, then how is this person who doesn't even know me yet or who I'm just getting to know, how are they going to see value? And so a lot of it really was that. I feel like we need to really anchor in case anyone is still wondering if their childhood impacts (laughs) their romantic relationship. (laughs) My friends, your childhood impacts your romantic relationships and the good news and what this work is about with everything the podcast stands for, what healing is about, what your work Bernadette is about is there is a way through. And I want to normalize because this is so important. Children fantasize to manage how they're feeling Mm -hmm. and if we don't transition from the little girl who's making a fantasy into Mm -hmm. the adult that can be with all the givens of life and the truths of life and the mess of life you know I was joking with a client last night let me know if you ever see a sex scene where we are talking about the wet spot on the bed (laughs) like I mean really Everything is perfect. Everything looks perfect. And then we don't know and then do what all children do, which is in order to cope with loss and absence. Well, there must be something wrong with me, but then we don't grow out of that. Then we're in patriarchal culture that says the most important thing a woman can have is male approval. And then, and then we live in that way and this ache, you know, everyone breathing into, of course, a little girl is saying, well, he didn't choose me. Right. And then it really is important for women to get. And if you're still saying that I want to be chosen, that's how, you know, it's old, Mm -hmm. old. 
it doesn't work like that. A ring is not a sign that you are chosen and now you are worthy. That's oh. the game. And I'm really curious because this feels important. What did your mom say to you? Oh, I had the How same question. How was the you're... relationship? Because this is really important in childhood work because we can maybe put the other parent on a pedestal. It's like dad's really bad. But how did mom talk to you about this? Was there any nurturing support around explaining why dad wasn't there? But then you also talked about she did remarry. So how, how did that go for you? So um, my mom and I really didn't discuss my father a lot or um, why he wasn't there. And uh, I kind of sensed that it really wasn't a subject that I should bring up when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I thought about the relationship or lack thereof is just what I had imagined in my mind and what I, I conjured up the reason had to be because mm -hmm. it just wasn't, um, it really wasn't discussed. And even in her relationship um, with my stepfather, um, there, there wasn't anything there either where she tried to explain the dynamics of that relationship or, um, you know, drawing a comparison to, to this is what you want to look for or not look for. It just, it wasn't discussed. And so wow. that's why for me, a lot of what I thought relationships were supposed to be like came from TV and movies because I just, I didn't get that guidance in the home. And then there really weren't any intentional conversations around, you know, like what was going on with my dad. Um, my mom never, um, she never kept him from me. The door was always open for him to walk through. He, he just didn't choose to. And so we would have like conversations maybe once or twice a year sporadically. It, it really wasn't anything on any kind of regular basis. And anytime he called, you know, she would always let me know, here's your dad on the phone. But after that, there really wasn't anything that we discussed. She might've asked me what we talked about. You know, she might've um, been silent when I gave her the response and didn't give any opinion to sway how I felt in the moment but there wasn't anything past that in regards mm. to him. Wow. I and wonder, the, I, I just wonder in, in that experience, like I wonder if she was, I mean, I'm imagining that she was probably trying to protect you thinking that by talking about it, it would be worse. Um, I think that, yeah, I think it might've been a little bit of that. And I think also mm -hmm. it could have just been that she didn't really know how to handle it. And yeah. so, you know, just in not knowing what I needed um, in the moment to feel, um, you know, just loved and cared for and supported. I think that she just felt that if she didn't say anything, that it would just go away. And I mean, don't we all do that? Like we love to just kind of yeah. ignore a problem into oblivion and obviously it doesn't work, but yeah. you know, I kind of just think that she just didn't know what to do. And I don't fault her, you know, because yeah, it, it just, she did the best that she could with what she knew. Of course, yeah. I yeah. was bringing it up because 
so much of healing is about reclaiming your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to live with reality and be able to name what's true in a relationship. I mean, that's a skill. And we're going to have to transition into actually naming what emotional availability is and get really down to the nitty gritty about (laughs) what it actually looks like. Because I'm I'm listening to you and I'm like, wow, I don't know if I would have told you that my exes were unavailable emotionally. Mm -hmm. I would have really believed that because they liked me, because they did nice things for me, because they spent some time with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, if I my, I have an ex who would set a timer for how long we were allowed to cuddle. So I, you know, it took me a while to get that that was actually unavailable, <laughs> but, yeah. but like emotional availability and then how it looks in ourselves, but emotion. And th- the reason I brought up about what was mom doing is because if kids don't have their reality affirmed, right. I mean, we're asking questions about everything. Why is the sky is blue? Why is this happening? What's this about? And if someone's not there affirming then that's how women end up in relationships where they think something's normal when it's not, or they're afraid to bring something up to their partner. And then we have the BS dating advice that's don't scare him away. Don't say you want a relationship because you might scare him away. And then we're all hiding. And so I'm curious if you're seeing this with your clients, like the way they relate to their intuition or the unwilling to name what's real and true and bring consciousness to relationship and their own feelings. Cause that, that is a huge thing that I see when there's been absence or father loss or just a father that was, that wasn't unavailable to the daughter. So curious about that for you. Yeah. Um, with, um, my clients, I do see a lot of them, uh, not really being able to name specifically the feelings that they've had or the experiences that they've gone through. And so it's not so much that they don't want it. They just don't know what it's called. And because, Mm -hmm. and, and also a lot of times with fatherless daughters, we do not like to to come off as being anything other than perfect. Like that's mm-hmm. just, that just happens to be a fatherless daughter trigger point mm-hmm. that I like to drill into a lot because uh, we internalize the fact that our father isn't there, especially fatherless daughters whose father was absent or emotionally unavailable. So we internalize that to mean that it's us. And so then what that does is that makes us now want to show up perfectly in every single situation. And we need to know all of the things. We need to always be perfectly put together. There can never be a mistake that we make because any of those things now sets us into a tailspin of thinking like, oh, wow, you know, like they don't think I have value now because I made a mistake or because I didn't show up as like, you know, my best self or I didn't, um, I didn't have my best communication in this moment or whatever it is. And so with the, with the clients that I see, a lot of them, um, they, they kind of feel a fear of rejection and shame around their needs and their desires. And they usually have always been the type to kind of just internalize what they actually need. You know, Mm. they're just almost happy to be there, you know, happy to have this relationship, happy to have this man who is showing me a little attention, you know, happy to, to, to get, um, to be in a space where this might be the relationship that I've always been looking for. And so I don't want to rock the boat. 
and I don't want to, I don't want to say what I really need. I don't want to tell him that he's not really doing it for me, you know, wow. because if I do these things, then, you know, he's going to think that I'm not worth the effort that I really need him to make. He's going to think that, you know, um, I'm just not, I just don't want to be here anymore. And then we have that fear of abandonment coming in now where, okay, if I do show up authentically, if I do say here, this is, this is the pain that I have, you know, can you help me with this? Or at least being vulnerable enough to, to speak your truth in a situation when oh. we've been triggered, like all these things now, I'm now sitting here like, okay, um, if I'm this open with him and he decides to leave, this is going to be like my father leaving all over again. And so that fear of abandonment really keeps them not showing up authentically and a lot of times sabotaging great relationships that are exactly what they always wanted. So right. that's really what wow. I talk about. And I like to drill right. down into that because, you know, they really need to get that when we're doing the healing work of, of trying to get past the pain. It's so clear. That's wow. I love how you describe it. I'm just picturing this woman being like, finally, dad's arrived. Okay, now I'm going to be on my best behavior and do whatever it takes to make him know that I'm lovable and I'm worthy and just like working on overdrive, trying to prove yourself and like, oh, just the, just the agony of that. And the like, yeah, just the, it's, that was such a beautiful illustration. I am imagining everyone listening like, yes, yeah. that's wow. Yeah. Okay. And no one links always that perfectionism is about the fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. right? Not mm -hmm. rocking the boat is about the fear mm -hmm. of abandonment. People pleasing yeah. in relationship is about the fear of abandonment. Exactly. And, you know, the, the deepest work I've ever done is willing to feel the grief. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you, you, you can't. So I, I was so beautiful. I hope everyone's going to like re rewind and have to like hear you <laughs> express that all over again. But I imagine at least this was true for me. The fear of abandonment was gone when I processed my childhood pain. Period. Mm -hmm. Like, like yeah. it didn't became something that I had to deal with for, for the rest of my life. And maybe a lot of people might not even realize they're in pain, but I want to also normalize that wanting approval from your parents is the most natural thing in the world of for a kid. <laughs> like, but when I think of the father wound, if I'm not approved of from a man for who I am, and then I grow up in patriarchy in which my value is connected to what I look like, how much I weigh, Mm -hmm. how much money I make, what my achievements are right now. Now we're in, okay. I'm, and then there's the cycle too, that I'm sure you see as well. And why healing is so important because then we get to be our authentic selves yeah. and approve yeah. of ourselves and accept who we are and yeah. affirm who we are. But of course we want approval from our parents, but how we're getting it is when it gets rocky. <laughs> right. Um, right. If we're, you know, I only am approved of when I'm on my best behavior or yeah. when I'm perfect. So I feel yeah. too, you know, what would you say? What are the signs of unavailable? Like signs you're with an unavailable man. How would you describe it to your clients? Um, I would describe it as a man who is not in tune with how you feel in the moment or ever, um, that 
his needs and desires take precedence over yours. Um, one who does not prioritize your needs um, and he doesn't seem empathetic when you do express how you feel about something. He's, he's not expressive at all. He doesn't um, understand how to love you in the language that you understand. Like that's a, that's a real big one for me. Um, definitely because we express love differently, but we also understand it differently. And so if you have expressed that this is the way that you recognize love and they're not committed to showing you love in that way, and they just want to like gift you to death and you know purchase things for you when really you want quality time like that's a person who is emotionally unavailable you know because they they're for me relationships amazing relationships are one where you both are committed to creating a safe space for the relationship to grow for it to flourish for you to be your most authentic self, for you to be able to, to bring all of who you are to the relationship and not feel like, you know, there's going to be fear of rejection or shame or um, that you always have to be on your best behavior or be performing in some way. So whenever the partner that you're with is not able to create a safe space like that, or whenever you're trying to, to express to them what you need in the moment to feel safe, and they are not committed to doing that at all, that is a person who I would say is emotionally unavailable. Mm, okay. Everyone's got to breathe that in. That was <laughs> so epic <laughs> and exactly right. And I can feel all the women that are like, men like that don't exist. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that yes, they do when you get available, which mm -hmm. is you stop trying to be perfect and you stop people pleasing and right. you heal your childhood pain so that you become authentic and intimate with your own feelings and lose the fear of expressing yourself. Cause it's always so, so funny to me, if you don't express yourself out of the gate and are real with who you are, how could you possibly know if someone's capable of loving you? Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. we forget, thanks to TV and fairy tales, that love happens in your heart. And if you don't have emotional safety, what exactly do you have? Mm -hmm. You might have a closet full of clothes and lots of gifts, but if someone doesn't see your heart, what do you have? Right. And I would add, they're not available if they don't know how to share their heart with you if they don't actually express how they feel about you yeah. and their words match their actions yeah. and they can reveal how they feel and let you show up for them. And then if you're Definitely. not right, like if you're not in your heart, what do you have? I don't yeah. know. And it's that tricky thing. I mean, I, gosh, I, I'm sure everyone's going to pause the recording and write down all of those qualities because that is it. And that is the gift of what parents do first. That has to happen first because we mm -hmm. teach emotional intelligence from our parents we right. learn who's attuned for my feelings. And then of course, as I'm sure you would say, if that's not happening for me with a male figure, then how could I possibly know what that feels like? And I would say in my healing, being friends with men 
absolutely walked me toward my partner, like learning how to let men and really see that there are men who can share their feelings and be supportive and show up for me in my big, wild emotions. Was that your experience too? Or male friendships a part of your story? Yeah, um, I actually did have a few male friendships. And then they were also um, like some male mentors that I had as well um, as I got older. But a lot of it really just had to be with me sitting with my feelings about things and really coming to understand how I was showing up and why. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I did that deep work that I was really able to um, like have the, the relationships that I wanted. Because what I will say is that even after I started to, to do the, the self-reflection and I started on my healing journey and I got clear around what my father um, lost was actually contributing to my relationships, I would go forth into new relationship spaces with my new knowledge and they, the relationships would still fail. Like, you know, I, I want to put that out there. Like I did the healing work. I did all of that. But in the beginning, my relationships were still not working because I still had not yet been in the dynamic of a healthy relationship with someone. So even though I did the work on myself and I knew how I was showing up and I knew what I wanted to do differently, it wasn't until I started to actually um, like experience relationships with men who were emotionally available and who wanted to be there and who um, had the same goals I had and had the same vision that I was really able to kind of like work it out. So it was almost like I was in the lab for a little while, kind of tweaking this and tweaking that and figuring out like, okay, well, this really isn't working here. And this is something that I used to do, but how am I going to respond differently in order for me to, to get to this result that I want? So I did a lot of that. So I want to say that that kind of trial and error took me about three years. And finally, at the end of it, and I'm really glad that I had just decided to to chronicle everything, because if it wasn't for me really taking notes and kind of going back and seeing like what was working and what wasn't, okay, well, that didn't work with him. We're not going to do that again. Let me just cross that off the list, you know, (laughs) and let me, let me try this new thing here. Okay. Well, all right. This article said this, let's see. And so, you know, I did a lot of that. Like I did a lot of legwork. I did a lot of reading books. You know, there were definitely some things that, that helped me to understand the way I was showing up and around fatherlessness. But then a lot of it was also just me getting out there and, um, being a better version of myself and Mm. kind of just crawling closer and closer to what my authentic self was. And then finally being able to show up that way all the time in every situation. And then that's when I started to experience like the relationships that I wanted across the board. And that's Mm. not just relationally, you know, with work, with uh, Mm. friends, family, you know, with my daughter everywhere. So it took some time. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, relationships are always an experiment too, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have no control over how the other person shows up. So it's always like, no matter what, like whatever's going on for other people and there's always going to be new triggers, new activations, new, new opportunities to go deeper into ourselves. And I think that the healing journey, yes, it starts with ourselves 100%. And then there is that key. Now I've done the work internally. Okay, now I have a mirror in front of me. Oh God, shit. It was way easier to do when it was just me. But now yeah. with this, 
mirror, the romantic relationship is the like closest, strongest, most potent mirror where we have to see all of our stuff that's still there. And then the, to me, this is the new paradigm of love is using relationship, not just romantic, but using relationship as a tool to, to grow and evolve and deepen that relationship with ourselves. Yeah, so definitely. And I mean, even with that, not to cut you, um, I really feel like a lot of the healing that you're going to do when the wound that you have is relational is going to happen in healthy relationships. Of course. You know, like you're not yeah. going yes. to be able to complete healing at no. all on your own. It's just not going to happen. I mean, and also on top of that, like healing just isn't even a fixed point. It's moving all yes. the time. You are going yeah. to evolve into new things. You're going mm-hmm. to, you know, have to soothe yourself with things that you thought that you had let go of a long time ago. You're going to have to sit with, you know, your inner child and, and say, okay, let me hold your hand through this because we, we've talked about this, you know, we got past this already, you know, this might be a little relapse, but, but let's, let's head on over mm-hmm. here where we've been living, you know, yes. like we have I to do that, that kind of yes. stuff, yes. you know, yes. but there's just a lot of it that happens in healthy relationship. And so that's why with um, my clients, like I really stress the fact that not only do they have to do the inner work, but they also have to envision what they need in order for it to be an amazing relationship for them. Because Mm. what I need and what you need are two different things. And Mm -hmm. once you understand that and you can write it down and you can look at it like these are the things that I need. This is really how I need somebody to show up for me, for me me to feel safe and for me to feel like this relationship is thriving. Then you know like what target you should be looking for and you can really clearly see when the relationship you're in or maybe something that's been presented to you isn't what you want. And so now Mm -hmm. you have the choice to decide, you know, I'm not going to go there because I said I wanted this thing over here instead Mm -hmm. of just walking into situations because the person has shown you a little attention. So Mm. it really does empower you to make the the decisions that really are gonna serve the vision that you have for your relationships with the work that you've done. Because I mean, you deserve amazing relationships. I tell hundreds all the time. You deserve amazing relationships across the board. Like there yeah. is absolutely no doubt about it. And it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter like, you know, the mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter what your coping mechanisms were for you to deal with the pain. You deserve amazing relationships. Yes. And my podcast is like, that's it. That's what we discuss. Mm. I want you to know you deserve amazing relationships. If you don't know this, that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. And, and the, the, I mean, the emotional healing that comes from being in a relationship with a man who can actually, who has the capacity to hold space for you when you're in your mess and when you're in your wounds and when your inner child takes over and when you're, when you're in your shit, it's like that, that little girl that wants to be perfect for her dad. It's like how you heal. Yes. Do the healing and the nervous system work and all the, and the body healing and all of that. And like allow yourself to be fully messy. And if a man can stay and hold space for that, that's a healing relationship. And if he runs or shuts down or fights or disconnects, that's a hurting relationship. And you get to decipher whether you want a healing relationship or a hurting relationship. Yeah, I am so glad that you said that because this is the other thing that I think is so important that we need to start to really 
prioritize capacity over compatibility, okay? Mm -hmm. Compatibility changes with the wind, mm. all right? <laughs> I mean, what you're going to like about a person, what things you have in common are gonna shift and change as you evolve, but the person's capacity to meet you in your stuff yeah. and hold space for you to make you feel secure, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff like that for a fatherless daughter, that is paramount. And it's just like, I really just, I really drill that in because I need them to get that it's about capacity. Do they have the capacity to show up for you in the way that you need them to, to love you in the way that you recognize and that you ask to be loved? And is this space one that is safe enough for you to be your most authentic self and for you to open up your wounds and heal without fear of rejection or shame? That is what we ultimately want. And that is what a healthy relationship with a partner who is emotionally available looks like. Yes. Okay. Freaking you, mic it, drop. Mic like, drop. That needs that needs to be on an Instagram thing that's shared all over the world immediately. <laughs> Capacity over compatibility. Yes. And what yes. needs to be said around yes. this, because this is really important. It takes time to know capacity. Yes. It takes time yeah. to yes. know capacity. And mostly what's happening is I assume I can't have that. So I do the perfection BS dance, or I work infinitely hard to try and get him to be that for me. And yes. then that is the toxic cycle because I can't tell you how many times I've just said to someone, there's nothing wrong with him and he doesn't have capacity. And if you aren't even engaged yet and you're trying to get to therapy, that's a problem. And yeah. if you are working infinitely harder than him to get him to show up for you, that's about capacity and you need to let go because the yeah. abandonment wound is actually what's keeping you stuck because I don't want to feel the, I'm abandoning myself by staying with this person who doesn't have the capacity to meet me. Yeah. So holy yeah. shit, Bernadette, yeah. you just dropped some freaking gold <laughs> for this so podcast. Good. That was amazing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. if it, if someone doesn't have the capacity, let them go. Exactly. Let them go because yeah. there is someone exactly. who does. And, yeah. and, and you're exactly. hurting the and you're hurting the little girl in you by yes. not letting yeah. them go. You're hurting that little girl over and over and over again. You're choosing to hurt her yes. rather than you. I mean, you're not when you don't know, but now that you right. know, <laughs> yes. you can choose something different. And I think it's really important. I feel like, I know we talked about this pre-starting pre the recording, but did you, have you, have you talked about, cause you've used the term fatherless wound. Can you describe that? You haven't described that yet, have you? Of no. All so so yeah. for me, um, a fatherless daughter is any woman who experiences father loss due to absence, death, or emotional unavailability. So yes. with that, there are, is about one in four women who self-identify as fatherless daughters. That's like 84 million women who are walking around with daddy issues in the United States alone. That's not even the world, that's just mm -hmm. in the United States. And many of these women have fathers who are in the home. So that just tells you like how important the relationship with your father is, but also just the amount of women who share this particular issue, who want to suffer in silence, who don't wanna really speak up about how they're feeling and what they really need and this is why I do the work that I do, because I just think that 
women with daddy issues, I mean, as crass of a term as that is, I really hate it, but I use it because it's, it's what, you know, really triggers people's mind to, to what I'm discussing. It needs to be redefined because yeah. there just is far too many men and people in general who label women with quote unquote daddy issues as being um, damaged goods, mm -hmm. as being women who are not deserving of great relationships that don't know how to be wives and uh, don't know how to take care of a home and are not respectful and whatnot. But I mean, the truth is, is that we didn't have a guide, okay? Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have anyone who showed us what a relationship with a man was supposed to be like. And if we were just left to our own devices and we weren't given anything to really, to be able to craft you know, what a healthy relationship is, how do you expect for us to show up in that way in relationships? Yeah. It's not gonna happen. You know, and so, the guy saying daddy issues, he's just blaming her, but he's like 50% of, of the equation. Like it's a exactly. dynamic. <laughs> so exactly. it's like, that is such a, it's such a disempowered statement of, right. oh, you know, daddy I mean, issues. Oh, I have daddy issues as if there's only one person responsible for the issues in a thank relationship. You. Thank you. Well, like the onus of well, that was on us. And it's yeah. like, you know, we don't yeah. have the onus of this problem because it stemmed no, from your absence. Yes. Or you not being there. And so it's yes. like, okay, you know, I, I understand that you don't want to take responsibility for what you really caused here, but don't put it on us as if, you know, we're the ones who are the problem. Right. You, we mm -hmm. are showing up the best we can with what we were given. And yes. a lot of us, many of us understand that and want to be healed. And so my work is really just helping them to facilitate that. You know? It's so needed. Kate and it's I so, talk all the time that will work. change the dating scene when women actually take a stand for how men must show up. Mm -hmm. And I keep feeling, I have goosebumps this whole episode with you. I keep feeling how the healing of the father wound in women is what allows men to step up and be yeah. the man that has to get emotionally intelligent and mm -hmm. learn how to be in the mess and stay and then give permission for their emotions, right? To, yeah. to give permission for there to be a actual heart healing relationship. And just like there are women who will never choose to do work on themselves and there are men who will never choose to do work on themselves, capacity in a relationship is I'm willing to look at this you know, and we've had other episodes with people that how, what it actually looks like when your inner child is present in a relationship and you don't just hand her to your partner or pretend like she's not there or not take a stand for her and say, you know what? I do need you to show up like this for me. And if you're unable to, and if you don't want to, this relationship is over. Right. And to not tolerate BS, not make excuses for men in the beginning of dating that mm -hmm. like, if you just practice that practice going a week, not making excuses for men and just try on how your life changes. And literally to come back to what you said in the beginning, the vulnerability and the grief of my dad chose not to drive from Boston mm -hmm. to New York. Yeah. Men are adults. Yeah. You, if this man can't bother to text you freaking back, if this man can't bother to pursue you and make plans for dates and bear witness to your feelings and give a shit about he, how he impacts you and how his life, you know, influences you, that's unavailability. 
That's not someone who needs to go to therapy with you. And that's not you needing to give him more slack. That's someone who's making a choice not to show up for you. And you do deserve an amazing relationship. And you do deserve an amazing relationship with an adult, a grown ass man who takes responsibility for himself and is accountable and desires the kind of relationship with you that you desire for you. That exists. I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Like there is nothing that I would change to that because it really is just, it's that simple. And I mean, as, as, as difficult as men want to make it seem to show up emotionally, like they have the same emotions we do. We are all human. You have those emotions. You understand these emotions. You just want to make it hard. And it's like, you know, it really doesn't have to be that hard. And I really feel like when a man is in a place where they have decided that they're going to create the space necessary, the safe space necessary for the relationship to thrive and grow, that it also improves their relationships with others. Like, you know, the quality of their relationship with their own daughter would shift and change just from them deciding that they're going to show up for the women in their lives. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just like, for me, it's just men were designed to be the covering of the home. Like that was their role. And so in that covering, I mean, there is a lot of responsibility there. And if you're not ready for it, then I really feel like you need to just sit down someplace and not try to dump all over someone because, you know, you want to be validated or you want to be submitted to or whatever it is, you know, like it's, it's a two way street and it takes a lot more than you just showing up as a male. Like there's a lot of responsibility there that are on both parts. And I just feel like when one person isn't showing up the way they need to, it affects so many different things in the relationship that end up just, you know, like causing so many more problems than they need to have caused. And really, it was just about you being authentic, you owning the stuff that you're doing, you being responsible for your feelings and how you show up. And you would have been fine. Like, I mean, A lot of women would have accepted you saying, you know what? I didn't mean to show up that way. I apologize. Let's start over or let's try to get to a resolution over you being stubborn and deciding that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to change anything that, you know, there isn't anything wrong with you and you need to just accept me as I am. Like who says that? Like how, in what Mm. world, honestly? Yeah. And I I think it feels like we, I keep hearing the saying in my head, we teach people how to treat us and it's like, absolutely, we can't change or control them. Yet so many women stay in relationships because of the, the, um, what is it? The project relationship versus the, the actually aligned relationship. They're, 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 their their hopeful future of the the potential the potential guy right and I like to when, call it like Mrs. Fix It like you know she she's just launched into yes, Mrs. Fix, fix it. it and I'm just yeah. gonna fix every little problem yeah. I see here and cork up every little crack yeah. that's in this relationship because we're gonna make this thing work and I'm uh-huh. just like you know what throw it away that's yes. not that's not where it's at yes yes and do like should sh- you keep showing up you keep noticing where you're where you're holding back, where you're not being authentic, where you're not bringing your feelings, where because it's like you want essentially. I mean, it's very natural for us to test in the beginning phase of a relationship. As mm-hmm. you get to know each other, there's this natural testing that happens. Like, 
are you going to be here still? Are you going to be here still? And so like allowing ourselves to bring ourselves fully, that's part of the test. I mean, I, it that's happens so naturally. Yeah. Exactly. It happens yeah. so naturally in friendships. Like I think of, I, I've ha- attracted even this year, a lot of new, really deep, amazing sisterhood friendships. Mm-hmm. And there's this, like the, the testing naturally happens where we're not like trying to test, but it's like, here's a big emotion. Like I'm going to call you. Can you handle it? You know? And, and are you going to rescue me and jump in the pit with me? Or are you just going to hold space or like, how's this going to go? And, but you're right. not thinking this, we just, it just happens naturally. And I, I notice in friendships, women just have the capacity and hold space and not all women do, but the women that I attract based on where I'm at in my development now mm-hmm. and my own journey. And so it's the same in romantic relationship, but in romantic relationship, it's almost like we test them from our ego and our inner child as opposed to from our uh, just being our full selves and being like messy and bringing all of who we are to the table absolutely absolutely and I think that a lot of it really just has to do with not thinking that um the person can handle it and then Mm -hmm. when you do bring your full self when you do bring like all your emotions and you're you're wanting them to hold space for you or to help you hold it and they're not able to then you start to think like, okay, well, not now I know that he doesn't have the capacity. Now, what am I going to do? Because a lot what of us, am I gonna do a lot of us, like, yes. no, we don't want that. We don't want to know because if we know, exactly then we'll have to it. deal with it head on. That's and, exactly you know, like, it. dealing with it head on means that, okay, this relationship is probably going to have to end if we have a conversation about it and this doesn't change. And it's yeah. like, you know, we're comfortable in that relationship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he gives me enough of what I need or, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can deal with not getting the stuff I really want because he does this thing over here or because this is a warm body or because like I can bring him to my work party or whatever. But it's like, you know, if you decide to show up fully in relationships and the person doesn't have the capacity now this is a problem that you're faced head on with and you're going to have to deal with it and it's either you're going to decide to settle and you're knowing your mind that you're settling now or you're going to have to make the shift and end this relationship and I feel like both of those things are really difficult so it's like I I definitely feel like a lot of us Mm -hmm. suffer with that like just not wanting to know and but Mm -hmm. then that's disservice because now you don't even know if he has the capacity what if he did all along and you would never knew because you just never brought your full self to the relationship yeah what if if he doesn't know and that to me is a blessing as well like if he doesn't know and you decide that okay well this is not where I need to be now you've left room open for the person who does have the capacity to give you what you really want and that in itself is a blessing the knowing whether they do or they don't is a blessing for me. Yes. And there's something about capacity that I, in, in relationships that I've had, I often have to teach, especially like knowing I need to feel my feelings and when something's up, like process it. And, and, um, there's, there's a, a phase where in relationships where I have learned to teach my partners, because I think that men aren't, no, I mean, just like us, they're not set up and taught how to do relationship they're yeah. shut down from emotions. They're like, and so there's a period of like, Hey, and it, when, when it's capacity and willingness, because when someone's willing, they might not know how to hold mm-hmm. space. They might mm-hmm. not know how to allow you to be like, have you read any of David data's work? The way of no, the superior man. Okay. So there's a book called the way of the superior man. It's, it's really beautiful. It's about the masculine feminine energies in relationship. 
And he talks about when a man is in his divine masculine energy, he's able to, to like in the, when the woman's in her storm, he's able to plant his um, spear in the, in the middle of the storm and just hold space and not get caught up in it and not run from it. And it's like that reverent space. Um, but I've had to teach my partners to be able to do that because they didn't know. They would just be like, oh, I want to fix it. Oh, and then I didn't feel the space was held. And, and so that, that feels like an important piece to, to talk about too. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that is um, one of the things that I teach fatherless daughters how to do. And mm. I call it um, crafting their transparent truth statements because mm. a lot of us want to run from like how we're really feeling in the moment. And so crafting these statements for me is just really being able to speak, to give voice to what your feelings are in the moment, why you feel that way, why something they did or the situation triggered you and mm. what it is that you need now to feel safe. So mm. if you're able to do those things and you can just express that to your partner, now they know exactly what they need to do yes. to create the safe space for you to either process the emotion on your own or help you to carry it. And so that I'm so glad that you mentioned it because it is important for them to be able to express that articulately, but also confidently, because a lot mm -hmm. of us, like, we just feel like, you know, he, I, I don't think I want to tell him that this is how I really feel because, you know, I don't want to push him away. I don't want to scare him or whatever it is, or this feeling is too big, but you really need to give them the opportunity to show up for you because that's what you said you wanted. And so yes. you have the responsibility to express how you really feel and you need to give them the opportunity to really be able to sit with you in that, to create the space or to just, you know, help you to process. So it's, it's a two-way street. Welcome yeah. to adult relationships. Yeah. I feel like, like this is the call to grow up and yeah. like why childhood work is so important. Inner child work mm -hmm. changed my life. Yeah. And Kate, this was so important that this was brought up and I love crafting your transparent mm -hmm. truth because mm -hmm. only the adult can say, and this is what I need from you right now. Are you able to do that for me? Yeah. Two-year-old throwing a tantrum doesn't have access to that. A woman exactly. who is not taking responsibility for her emotion and can ju and just is explosive and shitting all over her partner, wh mm. who's actually an irre like irreconcilable mm -hmm. pain, like the un unconsoling, that's it. Inconsolable, that's the word. <laughs> the <laughs> inconsolable child who just expects her man to know what to do. Like that is not okay. Right. But exactly right. how we've talked all episode which is how to stop attracting unavailable men is one start being available and start mm -hmm. holding standards for how you want your partner to show up and start waiting long enough to see if they can before you think you have to get them to or you start settling you know they're really important and, and my friend said this to me I'll never forget this and I was learning couples work and in my couples training guess what if you're settling that's your problem yeah not his because yes. you he and, showed and, up as himself. Exactly. Yeah. And you accepted and, it, knowing that you didn't want it. Right. Knowing yeah. that it wasn't And enough. you don't get to blame him. And blame yeah. is a sign of the most unbelievable 
immaturity. And so it's not about now you self-blame, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, oh, if I'm noticing I've been blaming, that's my call to level up. That's right. my call to queen up. And half of the work I've done with couples, it's usually the woman saying, well, I don't think he can do this. And I look at him and say, is that true? And he's like, no. I want to, I want to be there for her. I want to know how to make her happy, but I have no freaking idea because it seems yeah. like everything I do is freaking wrong. Right. And then very, very clearly when a woman grows up and she takes a stand for herself, the relationship becomes clear that it's over because mm -hmm. no, because he doesn't want to, and he doesn't have capacity and that's fine. And then there can be yeah. a graceful letting go, right. but the, it, you stop attracting emotional people, unavailable people when you stop accepting unavailable mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. you start loving yourself enough and feeling worthy enough that you have nothing to prove because the getting a man to change for you is a power struggle game of mm -hmm. if I can just get him to behave the way I want him to, then I'll feel worthy and valuable and enough rather than I'm worthy and valuable enough. And, we, and then I feel this whole episode has been a call to how we will actually change the world. Right. When you do your healing, you change how you show up in every relationship you have. I love when you said that, Bernadette, like every single relationship I have, authenticity is I'm myself, no matter where I am, no matter who I'm with, no matter what I'm doing, that's right. what healing gives you. Not I'm free in my friendships, but I'm settling in my romantic relationship. I'm right. free in my friendships, but I'm doing this bullshit staying small game in my partnership or in my business. My authenticity is I can be myself no matter where I am, full in my power and alive. This has been such an epic episode. And if you can't be yourself fully in these areas of your life, but especially in relationship, then you hire a coach. <laughs> you hire Bernadette. Like if you don't know, if you can't yeah. get there and you can't, you keep operating in these ways. You need to do the deeper healing. You need to hire someone. You can't, we can't do this alone. Nobody ever healed alone. Right. And I, I just had this really clear visual. I've never pictured this before. Um, I always talk about how we break our own hearts and we reject ourselves and all that. But when you were saying, um, I don't want to push him away. I was just pi picturing, I'll just push myself away instead. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to push him away. I'll push me away. <laughs> In essence, that's what you've decided to that do. You've decided you that their needs and desires take precedence over your yeah. own. That you know, yeah. you you've already just told them that you do not feel that you're valuable enough for your needs and desires to be just as much as a priority as theirs. And yeah. it's like that's not what you want to do. Stop yeah. it. Stop it, ladies. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you matter. Oh, you yeah. are valuable because you exist and guess what patriarchy doesn't want you to believe that and when you don't have a father affirming you celebrating you supporting you for who you are not for your achievements not because of how you make your father feel that was we haven't I didn't share about my story but that was my my dad actually sourced his need from me emotionally my, my three, my, the three of us, all girls, my parents had a horrible relationship, but my dad felt good about himself by us thinking he was the hero. So mm. we couldn't actually pay attention to how he was treating my mom. So of course, all of my partners were dependent emotionally on me. Right. And that's that kind of, you know, women doing all the emotional labor for men, which right. is this, right. I don't ask you to show up for me. I'll just caretake you and, and be that. 
Um, because un- unavailable emotionally can look like that too, where it's going yeah. the other way, a-, a father who got his emotional need met from you or a mm-hmm. father that treated your mother like crap, but celebrated you and was all about you so that you could be manipulated into not paying attention. Cause I woke right. up at 17 and was like, wait a second wait a sec, (laughs) you're treating my mom like crap. Wait, other, I'm seeing other dads not do that when I'm around them. So then, you know, you, and then all healing, you know, leads you home. Uh, All healing comes, you come home to yourself and then you get to be in charge of your life. And so Bernadette, how can women find you? Because I need to all go running, (laughs) running to, to your work and your page. I do a lot of my work on Instagram. So you can find me at Bernadette N. Jackson. That's B-E-R-N-A-D-E-T-T-E-N-J-A-C-K-S-O-N. I use that platform to really share a lot about fatherlessness and how it affects us in different areas. And um, you could always like just pop into my DMs with questions. Uh, You can find my links to my website, to um, the work that I do, my podcast, everything there. So that's kind of my hub. And the name of your podcast is? The Bernadette Jackson Podcast, where we are redefining how the world views women with daddy issues one episode at a time. Woo, woo, so good. I love it. So So good. And is there, um, so you do lots of, I'm just thinking for all the women who identify with having daddy issues or fatherless females, um, you're on your Instagram, I guess it's your Instagram and your podcast where they get the most, deeper scope of this. Yeah. Yeah, um, It's definitely where I give a lot of content. I like to really give a lot of information around it because it just was something that I was liking when I started to actually do the healing work. So those platforms are where I give the most information about how it affects us and what it looks like and, and how it kind of um, rears its ugly head in different situations. But then if they want to do like some deeper work, then they can always just um, book a one-on-one strategy session with me where we can just get a, a deep dive into what their specific situation is and, and how they need to be supported. Perfect. Okay. And so you have one-on-one coaching packages and stuff? Yes, I do. Can... So I do. My okay. um, Her Way one-on-one strategy sessions really does help women to process their father loss because my end goal is for them to not only understand that they deserve amazing relationships, but really have the tools to get there. So um, the way I like to describe it, honestly, is it's kind of a hazard of my my previous life. I used to be a a vegan caterer. So I look at relationships like I look at really great recipes and they all have the same three components, which is quality ingredients, a flavor profile and um, step by step instructions. So for my clients. That's so good. You're you're so good at naming things. And wow, like so many things you said, like that's a meme, that's a meme, that's a Right. So um, for my clients, you know, I help them to really craft their own relationship recipe by working on themselves and the the types of partners who have the capacity to to really give them what they need. And that's the quality ingredients, you and your partner. And then the flavor profiles is really just you understanding what your needs, desires, and preferences are and being being able to name them so that it's a lot easier in the moment for you to speak to what you need and what your transparent truths are 
And then we also then just have the list of um, instructions and that really just helps the person to know how to treat you and how you're gonna treat them. So mm -hmm. those things are, are what we kind of take a deep dive in as we are working through their father laws so that at the end of it, like they know exactly what they need to do for themselves to heal, but then they also know how they wanna show up in relationships, what they want those relationships to look like. And now they kind of have a blueprint or a little guide so that they can be pointed in the right direction, even if they kind of, you know, get off course. I mean, we all do, but yes. the guide is there to help them to get to the amazing relationships that they deserve. I imagine that a lot of women who have father loss don't know what they want, what they need, what their deepest desires are, because they've never given themselves permission. Right. And, um, and then on the flip side, the ones who think they know, it's probably, they're probably unhealthy traits that are like, coming from the wound. So I can see how deeply valuable this would be going through the process with you and doing the deeper healing and then being able to access like your true needs and your true desires coming from not coming from the wounded child, but coming from your adult self. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. Because a lot of them would look to uh, romantic books and TV and movies as being the example of what a healthy relationship should look like. And it isn't, you know? No. So even that, the bachelor. Like, even the thinking that, okay, I know what a healthy relationship looks like, even that work is, is important because a lot of them, they don't. If they yeah. haven't had any opportunity to see any healthy relationships in their lives growing up, or even in adult friendships with people who have amazing relationships or whatever it is, then, then what they imagine it is, is either going to be so grandiose that no one is mm -hmm. ever going to live up to that, yes. or it's going to be so unrealistic that when they don't get it, they feel that the great relationship that they're in is trash. And so they need to throw it away. And yes. so don't believe like, what you see on TV. <laughs> right. We need to, we need to get to what the real is and what you yeah. really need. And that only comes on the other side of really understanding how you've been feeling and working through the loss. Knowing yourself. Amazing. Amazing. The answer. <laughs> and, and I want to just speak to the fact that it, when Bernadette went on this journey in her life, there was no one else teaching this. So I don't know if there is anyone else now, but you are the leading edge of this work of this father wound work. So that's a really big deal. I feel really honored to have you on the podcast and um, yeah, definitely run over. I'm going to run over to her <laughs> Instagram and I'm so excited to share you with clients of mine. I work with a lot of women who have fought the father, father loss wound. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, one in four women, it's a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, and doing what you do. If you, you loved this episode, the all the best way to support the women in your life who are having this experience is to send this to mm -hmm. them, right? I I'm like I'm gonna listen to this episode over and over, <laughs> um, and to you know I always think and and this is really why we created the New Truth Movement. We need each other to call each other higher right? Like one woman be refusing to settle, you know, one woman walking through your doors, Bernadette and doing this work then inspires all of her friends to say, you know what, we can have amazing relationships. We don't have to settle. You know what, we can hold each other accountable to what we say we want and to remind each other of that when we're spinning and when we're afraid to say what we need and when, and also if you don't know yourself, what works for one of your friends and relationship might not work for you. And what exactly. she needs might not be what you need, right? And so we can't be always looking out. 
And that I think is the problem. We do yeah. look out. We look out mm-hmm. rather than in and mm-hmm. no one, we can, we can love each other's boyfriends, but you know what? If your friend's not happy, that's it. <laughs> if she's done everything she's possibly done to see if he has the capacity for her, it doesn't matter what our investment is in the relationship. She has to be the one to decide what's right for her. And that's exactly. how you support each other and stop giving each other bullshit advice <laughs> and, and, you know, asking a million questions and feeding the analysis and helping women come back to who they are, to know who they are. And that's how we'll change the world one moment at a time. One woman at a time. I could not agree more. I mean, it's really all about understanding that your intuition and how you feel is important and it can be trusted. And it's about that self-validation because a lot of times you really are looking for someone else to validate the feelings, for someone else to validate the the instinct that you have that, that you know already. So it's like, you know, just learning how to do that, like being okay with just accepting that this is what you need. And it doesn't matter if someone else doesn't understand or agree because it's what I need. Yes. And, you know, like just coming to that and being able to, to stand in the, that, the power of what you have, then it really just changed the game. It changes it yes. completely. Love it. Amazing. You are brilliant. Thank you, you are so, so much. brilliant. I'm so Thank happy. Yeah, Thank was, you for that was being epic. with us on I the new loved, truth. I, I really love this conversation so much. Thank you for having me. We'll <laughs> see you soon. See Definitely. You soon. Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to the New Truth Podcast. For more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, You can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.